rolling. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to American Slacker Podcast with Matthew Gertz and Jesse Landers. Welcome to American Slacker Podcast. As always, I'm Matt. And I am Jesse. And today we are joined by the host of the Baked and Awake Podcast, Steve Kaminsky. Thank you for coming on, Steve. Dudes, glad to be here. (laughs) We're happy to have you. Um, Do you mind telling our audience a little bit about uh, yourself and your podcast? Love to. So uh, as you guys know, uh, we've been doing Baked and Awake for, oh, a little over a year now. And uh, I'm, I'm up here in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle. And I talk about cannabis and the cannabis industry up here. And I talk about uh, fun stories. I usually get stoned while while recording and bring up a lot of times conspiracies, quote unquote. Uh, the boys can see me doing my air quotes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, do a lot of stuff if I can that ties back to the Northwest. But I also branch out to more global topics and because it's just too fun you know, uh, to always worry about whether I can find that, you know, connection or not. It's it's not hard. Most of the time stuff comes back in some angle or other to all of us. Well, you're very good at seeing the larger picture, uh, from, from my listening to your show. You're, You're very, uh, you have your eye on many balls that are sort of flying in the air as you're talking and you cover a lot of information that's new to me. For sure, and Thank you, dude. sort of Thank like you. it definitely gives a new perspective to to your listeners. Uh, dude, appreciate that, Jess. Um, that's uh, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Uh, like a lot of us in podcasting, I'm I'm empowered and fortunate to have the platform and have come to it simply from making a decision to do it one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and this for anybody who's ever listening to a podcast and early on in their listening or has been listening to them for years, everybody embrace this and know this. Ain't nobody going to stop you from starting your podcast if you want to do it. Right. You start a podcast today, you know. Mm. Um, I, in my case, I thought about it for a few months before I pulled the trigger and did it, but I had been listening to podcasts for just a little while, right? Um, probably found it a lot of the way a lot of us have, like through like Rogan and just a couple other podcasts like that. Um, and, uh, being a bit of a fringe topic fan my whole life, uh, conspiracy theorist, whatever stupid label we want to apply to it. Um, I got to a point where I don't know about you guys too, about this, but when, what you're watching coming in on the main screen in the house and on your feed, on your, on your phone is so consistently poor in quality and confusing we were chatting about deep fakes earlier talking about confusing stuff but like 
just general media and the straight line message to us every day is massively confusing, divisive, uh, low quality, and uh, often easily, you know, refuted or debunked by any of us from our own personal experience and integrity and hearts. Mm -hmm. We know we're being fed bullshit. Um, and I decided to challenge myself to back up my own social media posts about this is bullshit and you guys are dumb and this guy's an asshole and this is why, you know, with maybe reasons, better reasons, right? And, and since I was deriving so much benefit from podcasts and learning, you know, aside from Rogan, it was, it was hardcore history, you know, Carlin's hardcore history and a few other, you know, really, really cool podcasts like that. Um, there's a couple of channels I'd love to put you guys onto uh, on the back end that are totally unrelated to any of the stuff we're going to talk about today um, that I consider, you know, to just be so good. Uh, that, Definitely check check out you whatever know. you can suggest. Um, I have oh, yeah. to say, listening to your show, I definitely get a um, Dan Carlin sort of uh, vibe to your cadence. Oh, and my God. It's it because <laughs> it is that stream of consciousness. Um, but the the pauses to sort of let what you said sink in with the audience, I think is such a, a great choice in terms of uh, presentation. Yeah, because, cool. Because awesome. it is very information heavy sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and it is a lot to take in when you're maybe new to whatever the subject may be. But mm -hmm. that, that, 100%. Brief, that brief sort of uh, pause or beat in, mm -hmm. in the cadence of your talking, it gives that great storytelling kind of vibe um, along yeah. with how informational it is. Yes. Not to just sit here and like suck your dick or anything. Oh, yeah, geez. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but, no. but no. seriously, like, Car yeah. like go on. I got like a Carlin vibe off of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, I, I, I think I have orders of magnitude of improvement to do before I would ever want to you know, hear that uttered aloud in the same stadium <laughs> as that guy. Um, but we're all just friends here, and I doubt Dan will hear this. So, <laughs> hey, who knows? I don't know what he does with this time. You know, off. yeah, right. Well, you know, interestingly, I have like the most ephemeral of uh, like internet connections to him in that I recently became, uh, was brought into the Darkness Collective, like a nominal kind of podcast network that he's also nominally a member of as well. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but I mean, I have no. I've never had any contact with the man whatsoever. Well, so. I mean, that's still like um, a six degrees of separation type of it thing. Is like neat. One it is degree. neat. One degree. Just yeah, be like somewhere on the web, you can find him and me from the same URL, which you know, makes us like leaving that place. Away. So. There you go. <laughs> Practically there. Yeah, um, we're like best friends with Dan Carlin. <laughs> well, you know when that? There you go. The guy's my fucking homie. Um, for real though, I mean that's. Uh, like that already is closer connected to him than I ever thought I would be as a listener, listening to him working uh, down on the assembly line at a espresso commercial espresso machine uh, plant, which is where I was working at the time um, when I was formulating the ideas for the podcast and, and doing it. Um, it, it. It occurs to me that, you know, podcasts, one of the reasons why I came to him was because it seemed educational. It seemed a little bit like a slightly better use of my time than just bumping rap music all day, every day. Um, and, uh, which I love too, but, um, the, what I think about podcasts is, you know, we're sitting here doing video right now and, and increasingly, you know, people do more video. Um, I create YouTube content these days also, 
Um, you know, so I'm doing some video as well, you know? Yeah. Thank you you guys. Um, you know, (laughs) please folks definitely check it out. I love it. Um, and, um, you know, now that I know that you guys are doing video feeds of a lot of stuff, I mean, I've just been catching you in the iOS app, you know, Mm -hmm. to be honest. So I don't know how long you've been doing uh, this stuff, but that's fun too. Recently. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Right. It's it's doable. Yeah. We're capitalizing on a production of video on YouTube. So definitely self plug real quick. Definitely there subscribe. <laughs> there you go. And I'm sure I already have you guys. I'm, I'm sure I'm sub to you guys. I'll have to, I'll have to make sure though that I got the uh, bell rung for yeah. American Slacker because that that must be how I'm missing you on, on YouTube right now. Um, but you know, but podcasts though, usually I can listen to a podcast in the background while I'm doing something else. Um, I also gravitate towards YouTube content that's more audio heavy and don't worry as much about the video presentation, although I benefit greatly from a lot of rich, you know, full media presentations on YouTube, obviously. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm trying to do like a little bit of a audio book feel, you know, to when I'm telling a story or, you know, whatever we call what I do, you know, I don't know what they are, you know, podcasts are a thing that I end up having, you know, a couple thousand words and notes on pretty much every episode. Uh, so I don't know if that can be transformed in some way and captured. I've been trying to blog, you know, with it a little bit more and cross yeah. over, like mesh those things together. I mean, it's built on the same technology, right? We, we, we podcast on the RSS feed that was built for blogs. Yeah, that's so, true. Which is interesting. Um, that's where it all started. So, yeah. Yep. You know, so, uh, Anyway, yeah, so it's fun. I love it. You know, I love what you guys do also. And and as I've expressed a few different times, I super appreciate and have directly benefited from your cannabis research on several occasions. So good work. Keep it up. Well, thank you. We try and keep (laughs) up with what's going on in the the weed world. You're killing it. You're killing it. I, I, I do notice on your show, uh, you give a warning off the top. Hey, I smoke on this show. So maybe uh, don't let the kiddos listen, <laughs> you know, or let them, you yeah. know, yeah, I mean, true. it's you know, fine. It's not a big a deal. Yeah. Yes, but that's, that's you know. kind of you to, to put that warning up front. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we never, we, we never give our in. listeners that warning. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna yeah. Say, we got the balls in. Yeah. They're like, Oh shit. They're smoking the reefer. That's we, like, we're, <laughs> we're like the guest that sneaks into the dinner table and like when everything's nice and calm, there you go. we're like, so what about federal legalization? <laughs> <laughs> this apple pie is great, grandma. Yeah, right? <laughs> Drops her fork. <laughs> <laughs> no, grandma will be the first one. She'll be like, I love my CBD lotion. It's the best. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, you guys are just talking about CVS, you know, and I was getting ready to mention that on my show soon as well. You know, so that, by the way, is an enormous story. And it is shots fired from big pharma and from big retail. And from I mean, if it's CVS now, it's Walmart next yeah. month. Oh, and Y'all. you know, speaking of, man, I was I was out the other day at the mall. And uh, this is one day I was at the mall. I went into Spencer's. They were, they had a fucking assortment of CBD products from creams Spencer's. that were ready to go wow, and nicely go. produced in like the full, like everything on it. I almost purchased one, but I was like, I'm going to purchase it from a more reputable source. And uh, then I go to a, like a gas station. Same thing, dude. They got a whole fucking selection. Yep. Call me uh, the vapes, like everything. Yep. I'm yep. like, wow, dude, it's, it's happening really quick. It's out there. So let's, yeah. so let's for, for, um, for the sake of all our collective um, integrity, 
uh, the three of us and also for the benefit of anybody listening to us um let's acknowledge right now that while you probably won't find three bigger cannabis advocates in general in the room together i don't know about you two guys but now i'm speaking for myself when i say um anything that is being sold all the way down at the bodega corner store level mm-hmm. and at odd, you know, distribution points like a Spencer's or mail yep. order this and discreet shipping that, um, and is labeled as a panacea for everything in under the sun is not necessarily as effective as all of that. And oh, yeah. people need to understand this isn't really a cure all for everything on the, on the same note. There are absolutely super real applications for both CBD and full spectrum cannabis. That is to say cannabis that has THC and CBD and the other cannabinoids like CBN and CBG and a couple other oddball, um, you know, names that are hard even for me as a, you know, member of a company in the legal region to always keep track of but we test for like six of them you know and they're labeled on every package i just labeled you know named about four of them Mm -hmm. um and um so the the what i was going to say is there are some powerful healing properties indicated by cannabis there are powerful anti-inflammatory and cancerous cell impacting and all sorts of other uh legit like you know, we've we've all long understood the pain relieving and appetite improving and energizing, etc. effects of certain strains, and it's always being better understood. But all that said, CBD itself cannot carry the weight of the world, and people, oh yeah, you know, need to understand there's a bit of a bubble, in my opinion, that surrounds oh, yeah. all of that. Um, And and I'm not saying don't use CBD products. I'm not saying don't explore them and check them out. We have some in the house and we do use topicals and a couple other things. We don't do a lot of edibles and stuff. My wife does like her CBD tincture, however, for like tummy health. Yeah. Um, I do THCA um, for inflammation. There we go. Uh, Tied to IBS type symptoms or that kind Um, of thing. uh, Shoulder and joint. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have, uh, I had two shoulders done. Yeah. Mm. They, I had, they feel I had much one, better now. One with two go. dislocations. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, if you but, I ever mean, well, back, back to what you were saying yeah. about Spencer's and like these not necessarily reputable, um, like points of purchase. It's like, you wouldn't go to Panera for your physical. Yeah. Like, exactly. they make, and it couldn't be less, it couldn't be less accurate. Like, it's that awkward of places that you're seeing this stuff show up. Right. Well, It'll now, be on the counter yeah. at the tanning salon or something, or the nail lady will have oh, it, you know, yeah. over in a corner next to the fucking Gas hair station, tonic. The worst you know? place it could be. So, that you would want to buy something health related. Exactly. Let's be real. Exactly. And now so they so with those little pills, too, right, Matt? Right. You're yeah. putting it right in the same class as five hour energies and fucking boner pills and everything else <laughs> that you can get at the corner store. Exactly. 100%. Now there's there's an easier way. You can get doctors that will talk to you over the internet. You can get a legit cannabis related doctor that will help you and tell you, okay, do you need CBD in your life? Do you need it? Um, and honestly, you need a little bit of THC in the CBD to help get the full fucking strength of it. So, I mean, in New York, yeah. you're not going to have any THC CBD. So you're really getting a very limited spectrum of it. Yep. So there's a lot of differences, but there's doctors for a real cheap fee 
They'll talk to you for half an hour and you can fucking really learn the whole benefit and you're getting the real deal. You're not getting a fucking yep. Google he said, she said deal. And they you can, know? from day one, depending on where you are in the country, put you in touch with the companies that are delivering safe and effective yep. product for those patients. And exactly. so that that is totally true. And that's the way folks should be. If you really need the help and you and you want to explore what something like CBD can do for you, wherever you are in a state that allows, you know, full spectrum or not. A lot of people, frankly, as we're well aware, are not themselves ready to fuck with the THC. They don't care. They heard CBD does some good and they will fuck with that, but they may, they may take their dying breath before they ever puff on a joint with you at the family reunion. Um, So, you know, uh, who, took the kind of plunge over because they're into exercise but they're uh they've never smoked they few times they have smoked flowers it wasn't a good situation for them they said so it's never been appealing for them but they yep. because of like uh you know like pain or soreness or whatever they may uh this person may be using it for they started and because we do live in california where it's legal it has the active thc and i was talking to that person and they were like dude I was over the fucking moon that first time. Oh my like, God. That's I had zero tolerance. Like they took, I think it was like 50, 50 CBD, THC. Mm. And I was there like, go. dude, oh that's going to go. That'll gonna give you an experience, especially yep. for a lightweight and especially edibles yeah. as we all know, you know, I'm really, I'm really circumspect about my edibles use. I'm, I'm a chronic daily smoker of like 20 something years. And I just really go easy on those edibles, man. I just, I've never acquired the taste for them. Um, and, you know, I can, I've soldiered through every time. I've slightly overdosed myself with it. Yeah. You know, if any of us ever has, you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That's, that's um, impervious, apparently. But so, and some people really okay, have, edibles. you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. The t- so, yeah, apparently I'm the the edible the fridge beast. Over there. Huh? Back me huh? metabolites. We're not going to argue about it for the hundredth time on the show. <laughs> okay, I'm sick of this. That's why I just. We're, that's going to be one of our specials. Is we're going to dose Matt uh, in increments until until we see it. Until, until he actually it. buckles. <laughs> Dude, you imagine one day you're going to see me in this chair just like slobbing. <laughs> <laughs> He just uh, lays there like that. He's been like that for days. Oh my God. So yeah. if I could just get head. if I could just get to this snoring and drooling part without <laughs> the like um like the crazed body, you know, like the crazed body, uh uncontrolled. Like you need to jump out of your skin. Yeah. Oh like God. yeah, just the crawlies, the waves. The you're crawlies. Like, Son of a bitch. I was just trying to get stoned. This is fucking weird. Uh, I usually you know, when I start so. to feel a little like it's uh, too much or overwhelming, usually physical activity ends up helping me, even if it's mm-hmm. just like sort of I mean, you're gonna look crazy 100%. P- pacing yep. around. Like yep. no, yeah. get up, go for a walk. Actually, yeah. like don't pace around, go move and change the scenery and like go in a line. That for sure. You know? <laughs> That's my suggestion walk. right now. I'm putting that out there for you, for everybody. Do you find yourself, you know, wigging out on that brownie? Get a friend and go for a walk. Even yeah, if it's the dog, yeah. it's fine. You should always have a babysitter with that, somebody that's experienced yeah. with it. And, you know, yeah. I found a lot of people go a little too hard the first time. Mm-hmm. They either take a mm-hmm. little too many puffs or they eat way too many milligrams. You know, if it affects you, like, it's gonna hit you so hard. Like a very little will fuck your day. Why do we? My girlfriend why do we a bite have to do that? of a rice crispy, a bite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she had 
she was nuts for two hours. Like, <laughs> literally, I could have brought her to the fucking getting like put into an asylum. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> it was like I don't know. She broke here. Take yeah, her. Just just <laughs> look at her. Obviously, <laughs> fix this. <laughs> so like it's it's a it's just advice from three stoners. Very minimal when you if you're new to it. Like very little. One puff. One, and I feel like little... there's a lot of new stoners out there, or well, two yeah. beast stoners out there. If Curious. We say that. Well, and and this weed is strong now. Oh, too. dude, we're smoking that future HD weed. Okay, you guys. <laughs> this is, yeah, I mean, it's that full 1080. Maybe it's 5K. I don't know, man. I exactly. Can't like that's what I'm saying. Like you guys who are just starting out, this is serious weed, man. So it'll be it'll be fine. But yeah. yeah, just go slow. Hey, be glad that it only costs you a few bucks, you know, Dude. to get high and yeah. that your shit lasts a long, long time. And you if know, not, find a better guy. <laughs> there you go. Because sure. it should be cheap. It's pretty, price is great right oh, now. God. It's amazing. It's I never feel, been lower. But now I'm getting my gears turning and I feel like there's some market for a YouTube channel of first time stoner or smokers trying a tarantula. Uh, oh no, that's horrible. That's torture on video. And we, yeah, I feel like there's legal see, issues I don't there. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying you're kidnapping. These would there's obviously be willing participants. Oh, I thought we were pulling up in the van and like, you're going to smoke this if you ever want to go home. No, it's like, <laughs> stay awake and you'll get a hundred bucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> like okay. a game show. Ooh. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Come Got on down. With a little tiny you know, you know oh. I mean, it could be a thing. It could be a thing. I don't. I don't want it to be my thing. <laughs> so, uh, actually, um, we've been talking about cannabis here. You you do work in the industry. Do you want to give people your uh, uh, your qualifications? Uh, sure. Um, I guess qualifications. Yeah. No. Um, I work for a garden here in Washington State. Um, I'm in our gardens in Tacoma, and it's called Weed Plus. Uh, it's a really, you know, creative name, but, uh, it's a, it's one of the larger indoor licenses. It's the largest indoor license you can have. It's a tier three. And, uh, well, how many does that sell, allow? Oh, hundreds and hundreds of plants. It's awesome. Oh, There's uh, oh, beautiful. so like, I mean, you could, oh. you could do thousands in this, in this, in the floor plan that is allowed. So our space isn't even as big as a tier three license would allow. We can knock down the wall to the next space and take that as well. Cause I think we can have. Damn. Something like a hundred thousand square feet of canopy. Um, okay, so it's not per like flowering plant; it's per like floor space. Once it gets to that point, yeah, they call it canopy, and it's mostly oh, maps cool. to you know. Um, it's, I guess, it could be as many plants as you want under a given square footage number. Huh. But so as I was, but that's sort, sort of, of limited trying to, to describe. Data amount of plants because the size of the pots and everything i'd imagine or whatever well, what if it. you went like three-dimensional what if you want stack like, you, got a, you got a warehouse and you had like a right. four-story opening and you just tiered that shit with shelving and it's like it's not flooring technically right and well and cannabis filling that whole unwasted <laughs> space like well we have hairy, plans right? for we have plans like, for that exact <laughs> thing like we actually wow. already have two floors and we have grow rooms on two floors Okay. Um, and the large part of our space, which is an old pickle factory in Tacoma. So the area oh, that we're in yeah. is a uh, place that's like colloquially referred to as the Nally Valley. So Nally Pickles used to be based there. Okay. Many okay. of us would probably know Nally. Old grandpa um, Nally never right? imagined that they'd be growing reefer in his old Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, 
So oh. I want to say I want to say the space we rent out is like fifty thousand square feet or so, but we only have cultivation on less than ten thousand square feet of space right now, just because we're not even fully mm. built out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it costs a lot of money to oh, have them all and keep them alive and keep them happy and keep them HVAC'd and keep them <laughs> not molding and, you know, all these things. Um, and to grow in Western Washington, where it is wetter, you need to do it indoors. Now, in Eastern Washington, uh, my friends who work for Grows Out There, most of them are like daylight, uh, light controlled greenhouses that will be like large oh. automated, you know, pullback greenhouses that'll expose them to the sun in the day and literally roll so not on even tracks like, and close them up. shutters. It's like the whole top of the greenhouse comes That's back. one way to do it. And then, wow. but the, but by far the most common way out there is take big plants, throw them in the ground in your improved soil and oh, let them grow as big as you can grow them right outside. Mm. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, like California, like Northern California, mm. like Humboldt. Um, you know, there, Eastern Washington is much warmer, much drier, and has a like three and a half week longer finish season, you know, Ooh. than Eastern Washington anyway. So, nice buds. Um, you know, for example, you can grow cannabis outdoors in Western Washington, but you have to start them indoors, bring them outdoors, mm -hmm. you know, later, and then, you know, hope they finish before it gets too wet. And in a lot of cases, people who grow in Western Washington outdoors at all will often find themselves pulling down plants that could easily go two more weeks or three more weeks, you know, yeah. if it didn't get so wet, right? Because yeah. we're out here getting hammered like And that's potentially September thousands 1st. of dollars in profit right there. Well, or even just like your medical patient who's growing their own home grow, you know, uh, they have a couple options. They can grow it in a tent in the house and, you know, work it that way, or they can go for that, you know, a couple of outdoor plants a year as well. That's for the patient who does grow, you know, not a lot of people don't, right? It's not, you know, you can grow a weed, but are you growing the weed you want to smoke for medicinal value? You know, if exactly. you're a patient who's really managing a condition. If you already have all that to deal with and you're also it's a science to make too. your own top oh, shelf product. Exactly. It's not like, yeah. it's not something everybody's going to do. Yeah. Um, well, that's how we got know, to where we so. are with weed, man. How the weed is so great today. The, the quality of the teach. That's true. Value. I mean, it, it's people that were, you know, like homegrown scientists, like they were like figuring out the ways to do it. Like in Mexico, the, the way the narcos like improved our, all of our strains. Like it's crazy. That's how we got better weed. Is like well, also, I mean, even before that, the uh, the U.S. government um, dusted the marijuana crops in mm. Mexico and I want to say the 70s, uh, late yeah. 70s, and that essentially that was yeah. the domestic growth of marijuana in the States because, like, if you're not going to get it from there, it's going to end up being grown somewhere, yep. <laughs> like yeah, American ingenuity. So, yeah. oh, we tanked their crops? The yeah. uh, government went in and without like any permission, uh, yeah, like crop dusted with pesticides, all the marijuana, a bunch of the yeah, marijuana crops. And I want to say Northern Mexico, where a lot of it was coming from. Yeah. Then uh, people in the U.S. started testing their weed at uh, labs and it was coming back with all these pesticides. That's how they people figured out that, that it was happening. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. people were like, fuck that. I'm not going to smoke this anymore. And people were like, well, we need weed. So they start growing within the U.S. Yeah. So is the Mexican brickweed that I smoked in the late 90s, early 2000s, 
like post that era that yes after i would that time. Yeah. i believe this was in the 70s when when right, it happened because that was it's that was generally quite quality poor quality too. yeah it was quite poor quality and there's it was, subpar it was headache that's, that's mass you know. growth that's people yeah. that let it grow and don't tend to it and then they just right. chop it and pack it and fucking yep you get seeds you get stems you get Dude. yeah Twenty dollar fucking ounces and shit. It's mm-hmm, crazy. Mm-hmm, I used to mm-hmm. do that. Hell, we did plenty of those back in high school. There would be a cedar oh, in the back seat of the car. A lot less of that now because they're like, well, a there's a lot more profitable drugs than weed to smuggle. Yes. Uh, just mm-hmm. in terms of like getting caught because of smell and like a sheer weight. Um, yep. They, a lot of the drugs that are being imported into the country aren't really no. weed. Because we got like, this, yeah, we got this weed industry yeah. happening now that's like undercutting a lot of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I know taxes kind of fucking suck, but I for one would rather pay. Weed taxes. is really cheap out here, as you know, and it's pretty cheap already in California and your legal market, right? Yeah, I mean, and, you and guys I'd came rather, out of the gate cheap. pretty strong. I'd rather the extra money go to yes. uh, something that's not, hopefully, not going to harm society in some yes. way. Oh, maybe, you know, because I know in Colorado, yeah. um, a lot of the those taxes that, that were on cannabis went to the schools, and now they have like a surplus of fucking money, and they don't know what to do with it they could like make chairs out of textbooks with all the fucking money that they got (laughs) exactly and now notably um i'm sitting here asking myself what has washington really done with the over 300 million in tax revenue they got last year in uh i think it was like 360 million we still beat california who did already 313 or something in 2018 right um and i mean uh Hopefully that went into We got a lot of homeless yeah, we got yeah. now we got a lot of homeless people and we got oh, no real really? new parks and stuff. I don't know what we're doing with all this uh cannabis money here in Washington. That's a great question, you guys. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for us. Got, gotta follow the dollar. <laughs> yeah. Find out where that exactly. Going. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Because I mean I I don't mind paying it. But it's just a matter of like whether or not it's actually being used correctly. And if sure. it's not, gotta get now, it to the right fucking place. The, the customer walking in at the counter is doing good right now, though. They're not paying a lot. They're not paying a lot for their um, What's the? Do you cannabis, know what the so. percentage uh, on t- uh, for taxes for Washington? Um, absolutely. So we have our standard uh, sales tax, which is hovering at just under 10% at this point. Um, it's like 9.8. You know, <clears throat> and then, uh, like with other vice type products like tobacco and alcohol right uh cannabis has its additional taxes but none of them are passed on to the retail customer they are borne by the retailer okay um who's the final distribution point to the customer so somebody like me will sell um you know grams and eighths and pre-rolled joints to a a retail account and they'll sell it to the customer and we myself the wholesale layer and the retail buyer are operating in a framework where they're going to require a 3.5 x markup over whatever price they pay to cover their taxes and to sell it to the retail customer for the marked price and what almost all cannabis stores do in washington i don't know how you guys do it in cali uh, at the counter is the price with taxes represented in the price that's on every label. So the price you see is the price you pay. Oh, on, that's nice. On the it's product. Like Europe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 
So, but the retailer who sold it to you needs to mark it up 3.5x versus a regular normal consumer good, let's say shoes or clothes or uh, other things we buy uh, that are in sort of that class of things we need, but things they're definitely going to tax. Um, and uh, that would be usually like a 2x markup or 2.5x markup. So okay. there's actually about 17% extra cost, I think, is what it breaks down to for the retailer okay. um, to absorb the vice tax and the they have a couple other names for the taxes are actually levying on us to make this all work right. um and shelter the end consumer from all that bullshit which initially they were putting on the consumer here in washington yeah. so wow. when you look back to 2014 when we first launched i502 for the whole first year and a half it looked like there was like 27% tax on your weed. Right. Your your yep. 9.7 or whatever it was at the time for Washington state sales tax and then a whole nother about 17% which is like three different taxes that they were shoehorning in there. So the state and the best part about this was this was on weed that the customer was buying and seeing at at that time an inflated, you know, bummer of a price, right? Grams were like hovering at 20 bucks or more. Right. For, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, eighths could be 60 bucks or so. You know, this was like high, um, high black market pricing, mm-hmm. exorbitant, like gouging everybody in the state, like their high school kids trying to score yeah. behind the stadium pricing. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So people were not Since stoked about it. Kid. And, and the retailer who sold it to them had already been taxed on their purchase from the wholesale uh, seller. Mm-hmm. And if you were just a processor, not a grower, you would have had to buy some product from a grower that you had to pay tax on as mm-hmm. well. Damn. So the state was like triple dipping. <laughs> it was, it was like a triple dip on everybody. It was brutal. Wow. And, and so that put a lot of pressure on the system mm-hmm. and on it suppressed sales and, you know, generally yeah. engendered a lot of dislike. So they did figure that out and that got resolved like so, sometime so around a year in, and a half later. And, say you walk in and you're getting like a uh, hundred dollars worth of flour. Um, what's, <clears throat> what's the tax essentially going to be on that? Like at when you're actually having to pay, is it just going to be a hundred flat included. because it's all based yeah. in? Yeah, no, $100. Okay. Cali does the same thing from what I see. Nope. Cali is very, very different. Um, They they get you at the counter. You know what? It's the county and the city. Okay. In LA, it was different. different. Yeah, LA might be doing it different than than my area, but up here, um, where I I get my stuff at a place called Harborside, Mm. it's uh, 38%. So if I'm dude. getting a hundred dollars wow. worth of flour Ooh, product, shit, dude. I'm paying thirty eight percent. It's yeah. a, an extra thirty eight bucks for every hundred dollars I'm spending. No, I dipped around because I was like wanted to be a tourist. So, I'm but let me ask you this: Let's Ooh. put it in a. Oh, sorry, no, sorry. No, Go ahead. Well, okay. I was just gonna say I dipped around to a bunch of shops and I had it multiple ways in LA count in like LA, mm-hmm. and uh, I went to an old grandma shop and they they included the tax like and everything. And I swear to God, I say old grandma because it was like a bunch of like older ladies, and it was like I mm-hmm. never felt more homely with cannabis. <laughs> it was it was oh, Kathy Bates from like? that uh, Netflix show who sold you the lead. <laughs> disjointed. <laughs> oh my God! It was it was amazing. More friendly, more friendly than Kathy Bates by far. 
That's great. <laughs> scares me for some reason. I mean, she didn't did break your ankles oh for a good God. reason. Exactly. For but like, reason. no, they like they were so nice and they were like, you know, oh, well, do you want to try like we're we're making these cartridges? We'll give you one for five bucks. Do you want to try one? And I was like, oh, thank you. You know, really Obviously. nice. Really nice. It was amazing. And then I went to like um, sketch Med out, Med. but I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I went to the i the Apple Store of weed, and they were like, no, there's tax on top of it, and it was insane. It was so a lot of money go. on top. There you know. You so, so you got both ends of the spectrum. There. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So I guess uh, shopping around in California, it's it it really must be just like what different counties and uh, impose in terms of the taxes. Mm. Well, you guys have a bit more of that um, sort of. You have some dark zones still, yeah. as do we. As do we, right? Um, we didn't get a mandate all around the state to put stores up everywhere. There's a couple of real kind of semi-dry to dry areas there in central Washington and, uh, you know, out towards Tri-Cities. So you have to, you know, you can't get it at the ground level in any of those areas. You can get it like right off of I-5 in uh, mm -hmm. like uh, a little town called, uh, well, not Othello, but anyway, Prosser. There you go. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, or like Centralia or Ellensburg, like these little hubs. Yeah, there's a big dry spot in the south of western Washington too where you, you can't, by anywhere until you get down towards uh, Vancouver, which is almost Oregon. So, yep. and um, you know, some of but these hey, Oregon is about to as well. well. They're just not letting dispensaries in at all. I mean, that's probably going to be the case for some time to come. But if you look around in all those areas, can you buy alcohol or tobacco in all of those areas? If you can yeah. buy either one or both, you can. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like it seems dry? like. You know, it, it is specifically the Bay Area has its own kind of weird little pockets of like, this is a neighborhood town. Like, we don't <laughs> we don't do anything here except live in our little cookie cutter houses mm -hmm. uh, that are severely overpriced. Uh, wow. and, and and I noticed the places that the dis all the dispensaries, at least in San Jose, are in um, one area and it's an industrial mm -hmm. area. Uh, it's an area where there's uh, a mm -hmm. lot of um, just people, like homeless people, sort of walking around, and it's very um, purposely want to keep them hidden. Yeah, they're, they're sort there. of shoving it into a, a quote bad part of town, if you will. Um, it's the only place they'll probably admit a license. Yeah, yep. you know? so that's well, what, uh, you're seeing that's a lot a whole of another story. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, so, but in Washington State, we have a bit of that as well. Um, I wonder how that'll play out in years to come. I guess, I don't know. That's another. That's you can another, only hold back the you know, flood for so long. Yeah. I mean, even in Mountain View, they uh, they approved uh, an area for the dispensaries. And then um, a bunch of residents, I guess, were complaining uh, and trying to protest even having one open. So it's it's been passed. It's been put yeah. through yep. and voted to be okay. But then you have a, a, a loud a loud minority of people that are, you know, against that can it. still shut it down, keep yeah, it exactly. held up for years. In it's some crazy. Cases. Yep, yep. I can go to a yep. winery and take a tour of a farm. Like it's so fucking <clears throat> perfect and it's ancient and it's artistic. And sip the Why wine. can't I go to a cannabis farm and do a testing tour? Right. Why can't I come and see what you do? You know, like why can't that be a normal thing in life? Like why do we have to have the fucking like regulations so tightly cramped where there's got to be inspections all the time and like it's a pain in the dick and you got to keep it separate from the public and hidden you know well and it's gonna these protesters they well a lot of what they're not a lot of the things they aren't considering are like what about the people in that area who are disabled or who yeah. can't get 
to all the way across town to the derelict part of the area mm-hmm. where they cram, you know, <laughs> the dispensaries. Who wants what? to go there? What? They can go. They can go. They can go. They can move to those areas if they need it that bad. You know. Well, I'm from California. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck them. You know, that's, that's the that's the attitude though, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh not to put too fine a point on it, it's sad. But uh, you know, that's something that maybe we should I think that uh great opportunity we have is to check in on our three current states of markets Mm. you know like i can go back and find out where all our money went in washington in 2018 yeah Yeah. good idea and uh and matt can tell us what's going on in upstate poughkeepsie double poughkeepsie (laughs) Wherever well, that I is. can tell you the California is funding a lot of the screwed <laughs> 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 on the deals because of the taxing, like you were saying, the, the double to triple taxing because by the time it's it's to the consumer, it's insane. There you go. There you I mean, go. The same thing happens Illegal. with the dealer and the middleman that before it gets to you though, Matt. Yeah, and then the middleman and, and you know, I still I get a great deal, but I know it's Cali weed. I mean, there's no way somebody's growing this in like fucking some bumfuck <laughs> New York basement. I mean, interesting yeah you know and uh it depends on the source of course you got to find the great source it's hard but the black market is always going to thrive with those fucking taxes you know when you get it do you get stuff in um like ziploc baggies still or what like how's well, that it depends work? if i buy weight i can Napkins. get it like, it'll come in no <laughs> it'll come no i don't fuck with that that kind of thing. <laughs> manila um, envelope i ran out of bags dude. <laughs> no I, but uh like what i get will come you know, if i buy weight it'll come like um in like a vacuum sealed pack nice. you know okay. nice that's so that's it, right. it's definitely coming Food from saver. a source and Food i'll tell saver. you it's like i dude i'm a fuck i've been smoking for such a long time i can identify weed in every sort of way the trimming like it comes down to like it's past like oh it's this is great weed it smells and tastes great <laughs> the trimming quality is what you want to look for the free grower is not going to allow just a fool to trim his bud okay like so, you got to have go. tight nugs with no leaf, like all that shit. And by then the way, we do nothing but hand trimming at the garden that Dude, I nice. work for. Exactly, so. you want hand trimmed, like perfect, like shit. And then I mean, want, I, like, I don't know that it'll never change, but that's what they're doing now and have yeah. been doing the whole time that we've been with them. And it's beautiful, and it's beautiful to watch, mm. and it's a bunch of old ladies. Oh, so that's, so that's it's, it's, art. it's an art. Trimmers yeah. that know so. what they're doing is an art. Like. Are- are those uh like are the old lady is that I, obviously they didn't see themselves getting into that probably so is this like people who are kind of new lease on life trying out a second career kind of thing getting into Not like the trip? <laughs> yeah you know i mean they're like so i work for some folks who are most of them are asian and uh they're chinese and uh so the trimmers are to a lady all like old Chinese ladies who appear to be like 70, 60 to 70 or older. And there's like four or five of them who do it all the time for us. The youngest one, like Tanya is who I talk to the most because she has the most English. She's perfectly good English speaker. So, uh, and I have, you know, nothing but like greetings and things maybe to say to them uh, and, and, you know, a thank you or something for a snack if they offer me something. Uh, in in because uh, interestingly they're not only uh, they're like uh, Cantonese Chinese not Mandarin so that's okay. the much less common language that's spoken for the most part uh, amongst them but they're really cool I'll send you a picture of them sometime I'll send you a picture <laughs> of them <ladies> sometime <laughs> like yes exactly just work awesome. in the piles it's awesome they're they're so awesome they're so cool and uh, and they do have cool snacks too so I fuck with some of that stuff <laughs> but you gotta watch out you never know what's in there so um, it's all right though. 
So I, I'd, we've seen like a lot and covered a lot of uh, articles that are saying there's a lot of hiring going on in the growing industry. Um, and yeah. I would imagine that there is a lot of uh, cases where, you know, maybe older workers were let go from some of these big corporations that just fucking love to lay people off and mm-hmm. end up looking for a new career. Um, I wonder how many of them land in the cannabis industry or like how they even go about getting a position oh i think they're oh yeah no it's all over right i mean our industry is full of like folks who are like definitely like reinventing themselves and on their second story you know or their third story in life and what they're you know wanting to be about and uh you know a lot of opportunity i think is probably prevalent on that production side on that growing side because you know these larger farms forget our place Eastern Washington, some of these farms are, you know, you can hold more than one tier three license, for example. So I just described to you, you can have a hundred thousand square feet of cannabis. It's hard to characterize what that is, but it's a pretty big space. Mm. Um, it's, you know, uh, probably a little over an acre, you know? So these, uh, some of these bigger grows can, you can hold any given person, one person can hold up to three grow licenses in Washington, right? And they can also hold up to three processor licenses as well at the same time. Oh, wow. Okay. So and you could have apply for and successfully get if you have a location and you're funded and you've got a business plan that would support it and you, you know, you know, done your applications and paid your dues of time of waiting. Um, at this point, you'd probably have to acquire a license from somebody who wants to sell it, who hasn't developed it more fully or is not being super successful because we sort of have, they have like slowed the throttle down on new licenses, but that's not totally the case either. And one of the biggest problems in Washington, as in Oregon, is a bit of oversupply for the market, which is part of why the white market weed is super cheap and some of it's just sitting and not getting sold in a lot of cases like we have a a consistent surplus and are always looking for places to put it you know ways to you know because it's just there's it's not like in 2014 when there were only a few growers now there are there's four to five times as many growers and processors in the state as there are retail endpoints yeah. for that very thing that we were talking about a little while ago, dark areas in the state where you can't yep. buy and stores that haven't ever gotten deserts. a chance to open up. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if it was, if it was equal, you know, if you had as many retailers as you have producers and processors and you had as much retail access as you do for the things that I keep harping on the other stupid vices, I'm not, I'm not even putting it in the fun, healthful category that I do believe we to be in because it's unfortunately been legislated and regulated and treated in, in terms of the eyes of the laws and our lawmakers and our, uh, you know, uh, law enforcement as a dangerous drug to be it's just, used with great we, caution. You we know? should learn with prohibition. I mean, it's so disgusting, yeah. honestly. I mean, we never, like history, we should learn to not repeat ourselves. And here we are, like, doing worse of a job than we did with prohibition with alcohol. We're more careless with fucking like nuclear weapons than we are with like drugs. It's just, I see so many, like, the more you dig into it, the more you see like farmers that are just family farms that grow cannabis and they got like fucked in the 90s in California, in different states that were just like great farms. They grew other things. It was like now they're asked out. 
yeah most of them didn't most of them didn't make it back into no they didn't make it back man now you got corporations taking over you know you got marlboro buying up patents and prepared to buy fucking mass see and that's where this started was with cvs and i think as us as stoners we need to make the standard to not buy that high bullshit we need to go and try to find the lowest source shit we can get like it's gonna be hard to do it's gonna be hard but dude that's the only way that like we're not going to become a fucking we can we can do that all we want like how do you get how do you culture. get the kids to do it how do you get the kids who we don't know to do it i don't know mm. i mean voting with your dollar is always like i feel like there is certain strength in that in a capitalist you know society True. that we're in exactly uh, that's what, yeah democracy of the dollar seems to usually work out better but you need to get everyone on board everybody has to be on board yeah you can't have half the people supporting the big companies because they're still making profit you know like i know i sound all cynical but it's only because i still see coca-cola cans Mm -hmm. in everybody's hands you're you're completely right dude everything uh, else like that like no matter how high and mighty we think we are you know we end up i do it too you know still consume a lot of the same shit i have some optimism just for the fact that you know if we're able to actually pass laws in in the states themselves then maybe it's just a matter of organizing uh these things as sort of a social movement like i I don't know if you were familiar with on reddit there was the uh stoner cleanup or it was like stoner trash uh cleanup i did just start seeing a few references to it i thought that was cool there's actually some people in our area who do that right now like as a local activist group and they're fantastic i mean actually i should might as well plug them they're called respect my region and uh they do uh uh, and then it's uh there the group that does the cleanups though is like the colored cannabis collective so that's the other cool thing about them is they're you know they're working in the neighborhoods picking up specifically cannabis trash which packaging is ridiculous anybody who's been to retail stores you know Mm -hmm. the fact that i have to buy you know, joints in nothing less than a capsule like this, and usually something quite a bit bigger. You know, oh. uh, well, hell, hell, even the the um, little this little oil cartridge came with there like you go. a fucking game, index like, card size. Exactly, yeah. exactly, a plastic to get that you got to cut through with scissors oh, and recycle somewhere. But it's most people shop. throw it right out like there. Souvenir, window, you know, exactly. Grandma's shop. <laughs> there right you here. go. Let me tell there you, you this jar was filled. This is a big ass jar. It looks small in my big mittens. Yeah. But this jar was stuffed full and it cost me $25 of some there of the finest go. marijuana I've ever had in my See, life. See, Matt, you reuse that uh, since you're not going to the dispensary every day getting three of those every five you still week. yeah you still value that more you still value that yeah, a little more. yeah true, now now true. all of a sudden we're like ankle deep in it so i, I got three uh, glass yeah. jars you know yeah, that i recycled true. the other ones just end up in the trash for the most part and, that, I, that, that's and, that's a, back? and they said no but they have to use that right they can't just use simple packaging because of laws right, right. Right. Mostly child, you know, safety related. So, um, but that there again is, you know, hilarious and preposterous, right? Um, Again, neither cigarettes or beer are, you know, contained or packaged (laughs) to the extent that the cannabis is presently. It's like a fucking. uh, yeah, you a can open a beer the same as a soda. I mean, like, exactly. <laughs> when I was in Cali buying weed, they always leave like the big corporations would give you a bag that was like locked and you couldn't, you had to break the shit open when you got home. Like it was like, <laughs> you're not open that on the streets, little boy. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. Like, dude, yeah. yeah no. uh, Medmen, shout no. out to them. My awesome. pocket knife is going through all that shit. God, dude. <laughs> fucking insane. It's like I'm carrying a fucking lethal ingredient here. Exactly. 
Exactly. You know? So yeah. anyway, anyway. I don't know. I, I think we'll see some things change on that cannabis tourism tip coming years. Oregon is pushing hard. What is it? Isn't it that uh, Blumenauer introduced legislation on the floor of the House to try to uh, open up the borders, you know, and move cannabis between states freely? Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. That's big. You know, at least they're talking about it. Um, yeah. And then that 420 bill. So mm. which is a whole nother whole separate other mass deregulation. You know, yep. that I hope actually flies like physically crossing my fingers for that at yeah. this point because we're pursuing this path. So, mm. well, know, now people see it's profitable, so it'll probably move pretty quickly. That's like, well, it seems like money yeah. is what makes everything fucking that Colorado model, man. Whew. She was a there you she go. Was a beaut. There you go. So, you have like successful cases like that that are show you like front and center how you can do it right in a lot of ways. Uh, for the growers and the sellers there also, they kind of like their structure a little better because they are allowed to vertically integrate, as they call it, there. So uh, while we can hold a producer and a processor license in Washington, you cannot also hold a retail endpoint license if you hold either oh, of those. You can't oh. do the They're like, okay, so if you got a retail shop, you can't have a producer or processor license. Damn. Of course, that people figure out. Can't. Of course, people figure out ways around it <laughs> and do it all day long in like ways that would to to us who want to talk casually about it would be like, well, that's bullshit. You're totally doing that, you know. But um, it's like a, a monopoly without really being, you know. But it is harder. <laughs> it is a lot harder, and there's a lot less mm. of. Let's mm. say that a lot. It's impossible to single source. You know, um, so it is harder. Yeah, so it's much harder to single source. Now, in yeah. Colorado, you can. In Colorado, yeah. you can buy from the farmer. Yeah. And so they have those experiences that we're talking about wanting to be able to have here, the, the tourism opportunities, yep. et cetera, mm. that we need. First off, that's yeah. your final real cannabis normalization, mm. is letting people go and travel. And when you land, actually act like adults and consume in all the same normal places yeah. that you would want to anything else as an adult. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying at parks and in front of church steeples and kindergartens and things, but you know, no, whatever, we're talking in know. the church. We're talking. <laughs> there is a church in Colorado that you can go and smoke weed inside of an old church. There we go. Pretty cool. There are cannabis, uh, like culture. Like it's pretty I cool. I need to get out there. Cool. I need to get out there. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah. So man. if someone does want to become like, uh, say, a trimmer or something, they want to reinvent themselves, mm -hmm. get out of their desk job, and do something mm -hmm. different. What's the process? Like, what's would you say is the best way to start working in the industry? It's. I would say it's super easy. I mean, um, I think the only people who can't go to work in the cannabis industry probably already know they can't, and that's like people who have like some kind of drug related felony conviction. I don't even think misdemeanor convictions will stop you from working in the industry like you could have a little dumb possession history or something you know from getting pulled over with a bag on you in college or something um and having to show up for court for it even if you largely got off they leave that stain on your record right you know it's there somewhere it doesn't really come up it's most kind of, of the time it's kind of bullshit though because they're uh fencing off the people that probably the very people best at it <laughs> like, the very people the very people yeah uh, you, oh you figured that out oh that's really clever of you <laughs> well it's, it's just like that that, that, seems, you. that seems yeah. so unfair especially if like you go to jail for like growing weed in like say the 90s you end up getting out because you've served your time or whatever and now you can't work in the th one thing you know how to do plus everyone else is now doing the thing that you just lost those years of your life for. 
it's right. um it's such well, a terrible injustice with uh, the the criminal uh injustice system <laughs> oh no you're 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 really killing it and i would only add to that you know let's not forget that the path forward today in most markets is prohibitively expensive mm. and time consuming mm. and if is, there weren't enough barriers <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's um the very people who have had their lives impacted by past run-ins with the law from trying to participate with cannabis in the black yeah. market or even in Washington's gray market years, quote unquote, you know, we had our years leading up to legalization and then our year that we voted cannabis legal and then a two something, you know, year period where we still didn't have any retail stores. So we had voted huh. it legal. Everybody knew it was going to be legal. The police were largely chilling out on but yet at the same time, selectively fucking people up, um, yeah. grow, growers in particular, you know, getting ready oh, to God. shut down that, getting ready to shut down that old, you know, system. And these were growers who hadn't already applied for licenses and weren't trying to transition to legal. Um, we're getting hammered pretty hard in the lead up to legalization uh, here. But um, yeah, anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. We get, we get, well, uh, I could, you said it was pretty easy to get into the industry. So, yeah, get, like, no, absolutely. It is. I, I apologize. That, that no, was, uh, all right. you know, a bit of a side, side tangent, but uh, I do think it's easy right now. If you don't have any like silly convictions like that you need to worry about, if you're not some horrible, you know, felon and you know it, mm -hmm. then you can work in weed in most of these legal markets, Washington included. And as far as finding opportunities, it's as easy as getting on freaking Craigslist and looking for jobs. I, I was mean, wondering, is it, do they post Absolutely. Something? You better believe it. Yeah, absolutely. God, it's ridiculous. I, you know, I get spammed with requests all the time by, you know, cannabis professionals, so to speak on LinkedIn. Huh. Many of them are legit though, Washington right. based. So they have some reason to reach out. Uh, so, you know, once anybody has gotten the, the most basic of trimmer jobs and put in any time with a grow, um, once you're in, you're in, you know, it's cool. definitely a industry that's embracing entry level people because it's tons of manual work and it's tons of stuff that every grow is different, right? Every garden is different. Every processor is different. You have different types of um, labs. Everybody bought different equipment. Everybody has a different manager or boss. So, you know, there's a thousand different ways to skin the cat and everybody right. knows best. So they all want to train you when you come in, especially right now, because it's still that wild west, right? Oh, man. Um, like now, this all started with the CVS conversation. And I still say that that was and remains one of the biggest shots fired that we'll see this year um, in, in game changers for the industry. It's coming. The time is coming where it's going to, everybody who's in the industry right now, 99% of us are going to get swept to the wayside brand wise I, it, within five years. It'll it's all gonna be, be what, like the, the big five brands or something you're thinking. It'll look like 500 brands. Yeah. You know, it'll look like, it'll look like nothing happened. I mean, you know, Willie Nelson's announcing plans to go national with stores and even more of his brand than he's already launched. And he's already launched a brand that exists in Colorado. And exists Willie's in Washington. Willie Reserve, I think. Willie's right? Reserve, absolutely. Yeah. Dog you guys too. probably have it in uh, California. <laughs> so... Um, and uh, you know, who is it? Um, so that yeah, Snoop, Ch Ch um, Tommy Chong also has his Tommy uh, Chong. Chong Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart with CBD. Snoop. We've got oh, the Marley yeah. family doing Canopy Growth Corp. Um, yeah. You've got um, uh, who is it? Um, Pineapple Express, dude. Oh, Seth, uh, Rogan? Seth Rogen. 
Seth Rogen's got a brand. He's launching. Oh, I was Khali- surprised Khalifa's got a brand. Okay, oh exactly. God. Okay, so Getting so high. that'll be so that'll be the next wave. Those will be some of the first uh, names that. So you guys were talking about, you know, keeping it at the lowest level and keeping it grassroots instead of embracing the the big scene. People are. We know who we're dealing with. You know, people. Uh, they first off, we have new smokers and new consumers coming to the product and the, the 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 plant for the first time in their lives and they don't have any other reference points they don't have a friend to ask they're not gonna they'll be damned if they're gonna ask somebody frankly all right because they, they're gonna go and try it in secret by themselves every day this is how people are coming to it you know what i mean and they're coming from all sorts of wacky places and they're gonna get their information from wherever they're getting their information from and so they're gonna see it somewhere that we can't even predict Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think back to the, like that you were saying before about, you know, just keeping that grassroots. I think that's, that's a hashtag right there. That's a grassroots. Keep the grass grassroots. Yeah. Grass, grassroots cannabis. Fucking, uh, get that, get that going as a hashtag, get the idea that, you know, we don't need to have it become the McDonald's of we like McDonald's Burger King. KFC, Taco Bell, that's what you get, you know? Here's the only saddest thing, though, about that, is that even somebody like me who works for a legal company now, um, everybody would more or less have to concede that the ones who we lost already were the growers that we needed to have. That was the grassroots cannabis. This is already... We're already the first generation of the removal from that. You know, the the number of black market growers who did transition is pretty small. The the you know, and they can't really even say that they were publicly either. By the way, like that can't be much of your marketing. You know, yeah. you can't market yourself. You can barely market yourself as a cannabis company. Period in Washington state. And I don't know how California is, but it's pretty restrictive here. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't see too much so, in terms of brands. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I don't want to get into it cause it's a whole nother, another other, you know what I mean? <laughs> That'll be that. another um, episode we do. It's a good, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. You know, it's a really interesting topic, uh, marketing and you know, how you do it in these States, um, where, you know, it's regulated a lot more like, uh, those, you know, vices that we just can't get away from. Um, being associated with so uh, anyway career wise though you know be be in the state that you want to work in Washington is a good one for sure eastern Washington would have loads of opportunities for people to live in like small town America environment and a nice warm and beautiful sunny environment most of the year pretty chilly and snowy in the winter of course in eastern Washington um but you could work there for, you know, outdoor grows that are really, that might even be able to keep you busy all winter long, just doing processing of the same stuff that you grew all season. Right. Oh wow! I mean, cause you're going to, you're going to grow gigantic trees out in Eastern Washington. And most of those grows are tier threes out there. And uh, so, you know, big square footage on the ground and lots of big plants. So they grow them right up until October chop it all at once they call it croptober right <laughs> and then the market floods with really really inexpensive high quality outdoor Damn. you know shortly shortly thereafter slacker um, trip to washington in october i'm telling you <laughs> yeah um 
you know it's it's, uh, it's a thing and it's a real phenomenon you know and it happens in california too you know you guys definitely have a bit of that going on for sure oh. um is, is a, you know, uh, your market's gonna eclipse ours in just a, another year or two well sheer population too many people, exactly. Too many. Yeah. People, so when when you're getting into the industry, is like that pretty much the starting point though? Just working as like a trimmer or something, or is it more? No, anybody who has professional background. Yeah, I mean, you got professional background there. You know, this is now you have companies that just happen to be selling weed. They but they have to be totally conventional in every other way. You need accountants and you need yeah. logistics people and you need drivers and you need. Oh yeah, you know, that's true. I mean, everybody. You know, and and so. Um, you know, to each their own skill set, by all means, if you imagine that the cannabis grow up or the cannabis processing up needs that vertical, they do. And there would be delighted to have more real professionals join them, you know, awesome. um, because, of course, you know, it's been more cobbled together, homebrew, DIY, self-taught, entrepreneurial, this, that and the other, you know, up to this point in time. And obviously it's a competitive landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's rapidly evolving. It's, you know, technologically dependent in a lot of cases. You can't grow at scale without being super efficient. And so then you suddenly find yourself looking at things that you never would have thought of as solutions as like a, you know, small grower or basement grower or, you know, backyard grower. It's Um, just, it's crazy because like they talk about the jobs of the future, you know, not being like even existing today or like 10 years mm-hmm. ago or whatever i i'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't expect you know that mm-hmm. like bud tender would be, <laughs> yep. would yep. be like that a possible p- position that they could be doing how cool is that well, to see that on your tax return it's like position bud tender yeah right totally. or master totally. grower <laughs> there you go a little better a little better yeah right um so w- another re- we've been talking a lot about cannabis which we we could go on for mm-hmm. another fucking oh, five God. episodes worth Hell yeah. um but, but you had some interesting theories uh to bring bring up during this episode that we wanted to touch on for sure well we've been having some um you know i we definitely by the way Let's go back in on our, our three respective areas again on a upcoming visit. Maybe I'll have you guys uh, jump on a call with me. I'll try this. You know, I'll try this solution out. This is working pretty good so far. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I haven't yeah, used it before. Out to Zoom. So. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's good. I haven't used it before. Seems good. Podcaster's um, best friend. So uh, very interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, when when we started talking about sitting down together, you know, um, you guys had expressed an openness to fuck around with some conspiracy talk, right? Why not? It's fun. Are oh, we stoned? Yeah. Is everybody is everybody stoned enough? Oh, yeah. Yeah. there we oh, go. I'm there working on it, baby. <laughs> I know. Oh, there we go. I need a you know. I need to just look at this. Shout a fresh out. Bowl what do you guys know about Juicy J's? I'm smoking these dyes. Uh huh. I yeah, haven't seen them. I, I haven't dyes. seen that before. I haven't Dude, seen that. All the I got so many packs of them. They're printed. That's oh, my God. <laughs> strawberry. Maple syrup flavor, baby. Oh, I can see because it's the Canadian leaf. Exactly. Yeah. I kinda, that does <laughs> oh, sound like Canada, it would taste good. Oh, that does Canada. sound like it would be nice. So they got, yeah, I, I got do a, like. Oof, I'm not too good for like a. I'm not too good for a flavored wrap at all. I, I do go in on that every once in a while because I still combust. You know. Yeah, I see um, you're a J man, right? You don't. You're not much of a blunt man. Well, I'm packing a bowl right now. I don't smoke okay. as many blunts as I do joints just because um tiny bit more labor intensive. Um, yeah, yeah, don't really gonna... need the tobacco all the time. Has even more of a lingering aroma. You know, if you're trying you to like smoke, smoke and run. To the face. 
you know, no, sometimes it's good for sure. Uh, my Love buddy man. Brian used to specialize in coming over and um, we would smoke a blunt and if not two, he would usually oh, yeah. always, he would always light the second blunt and, you know, usually I would tap out sometime in the second <laughs> blunt. So I'm like, motherfucker, you're killing me. They're great, you know? great tools. Great, great. Uh, nothing like a blunt. It's like the peace offering of today's times. It's like, it is pretty let's good. Sit together it is pretty and smoke good. this blunt. I have yeah. to admit, guys, a little shameful. Um, I've lost my my ability to roll. Oh, you that, that muscle um, hadn't been worked out enough over the course of. <laughs> you tried to roll a blunt recently. I, you know, well, I have a tradition that I'd been keeping up of rolling a blunt um, on New Year's Eve and then smoking it after the ball drops into the next year. So it's like, oh, it's a blunt from last yes. year into the new year. You know, kind okay. of mark the end of the 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 year itself i tried to do it for the past new years and that shit would not smoke i was so upset oh, with myself oh. i was like too is tight. this a bad ah. omen yeah it was like too tight and just like I, the nuts. I just yeah. I lost it happens oh. to the best of us it just, yeah, happen, yeah i need like Get a rocky montage of like me rolling <laughs> joints like you know what you do you come back stronger Dude, I'll tell you, you know, what you do. You come back stronger. You get yourself a rolling tray and get one of those sushi rolling mats. Ooh, just, okay. just like take it to a whole nother level. <laughs> Man, I had a similar experience. I brought uh, like a half ounce to uh, Camp Bisco the first time I went, like years and years ago. And, uh, Man, something about the weed. Every time I tried to roll a joint, I didn't have a grinder, so I had to finger break it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time I tried to roll a joint, it wouldn't kept, like stayed burning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? It was like my omen, and I didn't have a bowl. I do like I do like having a grinder these days. Dude, for the most it's part. so nice. Yeah, I carry a, yeah. a grinder card now for emergencies in my wallet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I got one of those as well. Those are great. They work too, man. And you can <laughs> those, I travel with it in my wallet. I go on a plane and everything. It's got weed residue on it. Nobody ever gives mm-hmm. it. See, that's the thing. I'm a little bit too nervous to allow it, you know, so, uh, such a contaminated uh, item. Yeah, to be on me. Exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't fuck like, I worked in the industry. That's the thing. You got to really, like, pick your battles, you right? It's like, I'm glad. Standard. Yeah, I'm glad to be able to do this at all. So, you know, I don't need to, like, that's go great. around with, you know, uh, weed crumbs in my pocket from having <laughs> carrying a carrying a dirty bowl in my pocket or something. You know, There's a lot of careless people that right. want to jump into the market because they're like, oh, I can make a fortune. And they just don't give a fuck. They're just like, I'm going to smoke weed all day and grow plants. And that's it. You know, and it's well, not, if we haven't kinds of it. That's it. And I know we're about to move off of weed, but if we haven't already painted a clear enough picture of it, everybody, most people aren't going to get really rich off of weed. I'm already no. not really rich off of weed, and I've been not working in it for the last few years. In your pocket. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's not it's not going to be like that. It's not a good gu- be. Oh, like, no, and it, and, it, and it probably shouldn't be, you know, it's probably shouldn't be. in a gray market right now. It's federally illegal, so it's scary at the same point. Yep. Yep. But, you know, the path forward is going to be a path forward that's much closer to, um, I hope, like normal vegetables or something like, how about, oh, how about, yeah. how about instead of drawing all the crappy analogies I have been of, of the booze and shit, how about so like coffee or tea? Ah, exactly. yeah. Mm. They give you a light you know, influence. They definitely do change your persona slightly. You know, you get you that know, quirkiness. I but think cannabis is much like regulating it. No. I think it's, it's much like, more of an analog, though, to both of those. And yeah. because both of those have been considered highly medicinal and healthful over throughout history, mm-hmm. all sorts of healthful aspects have been ascribed to these things. Right. Coffee and tea have been buried with kings and pharaohs. So, mm-hmm. you know, right alongside cannabis. So, yeah. 
um, they're revered and they have uh, value and they have ways of being, you know, weaponized and, uh, you know, applied in different, you know, powerful uh, ways. Like you you do, you know, compresses with tea and you can do fucking weird suppositories of things, right? And you can do all sorts of shit. Um, You can take it as a supplement. Bags on the eyes can uh, remove the puffiness and shit. Yeah, they pull toxin from your body. Oh, is that a hint? Should I try No, no. Yes. <laughs> Not yours. I don't see how you could even. I don't even see how you look, see me with look, this. My, my, girlfriend, mine, my so. girlfriend's in all these health yeah, beauty yeah. things, so I've seen all of them in the mill. He knows the that, tips, man. Actually, I think I might try it. I don't care. I'm not too. It's a beauty wiki now. We got tea bags. <laughs> we got tea bags. Oh, so uh, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, the the cannabis talk has been great. Um, and we like we said we could go on for fucking days because there's we just did. So yeah. it's cool. <laughs> that happened. But uh, <laughs> I'm I'm really interested in in some of these theories that you've looked into. You cover oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of interesting things on your show. Um, kind of you, you definitely have a, a skeptic sort of uh, vibe where you know you're looking at it from sort of all angles and saying, well, what if? And do we have all the facts for our uh, current established timeline of humanity? Maybe not. You know, it, and I am interested to hear some of uh, what you brought to talk about today. You got it. You got it. Um, well, so you hollered at me and was like, what would be fun? And I said, this recent mystery I've been looking into is probably one I've been having the most fun with in I don't even know, maybe since I started podcasting anyway, uh, but possibly since I've been like, you know, watching the X-Files, you know what I mean? Like since for all these years, this is one of the- Are you a Mulder ones. or a Scully? Oh, oh yeah, no, see, that's the thing. It's funny. Cause you know, I, I laughed inside when you said that I have a bit of a skeptics approach cause I'm definitely more of a Mulder. I, mm. you know, I want to believe, and I usually start out believing just about everything and only slowly lose interest as I look into it and, you know, unfortunately sadly to my disappointment you know find it you know falls apart in one area or another or, you but know you're not afraid to, you're some... not afraid to point that out though it's not like you pick up one thing and run with it ignoring all the facts you will yeah. be you are able to sort of step aside and say but there is this other thing and then sort of come back to the thought and there is and there is and this mystery has one too like a big weird whoa like red possible red flag mm-hmm. kind of thing um it's called, you know, to put a name to the mystery, um, it's called the like Grand Tartaria or Grand Tartary um, Empire and a mystery surrounding the existence of such a thing. Now, uh, some of us, you know, we, we, we know the names, we know the name Tartar in some forms in modern language we have tartar sauce we have uh things like uh tartar or tartan patterns in um clothing in mm-hmm. in an actual like traditional pattern like a plaid like a burberry kind of yep. thing that is super persistent and still made to this day and preserved you know um there's a few other different references there's there's tartarus which is the famous hell-like um, place of torture of the like famous Greek god Tantalus. And I don't know what Tantalus was the god of offhand. Um, 
I would but, assume something with tantalizing. Or right? Like, yeah, yeah, probably something good. Tantalizing yeah, right? is probably up to some of that good shit. That's why I ended up in Tartar, Tartarus. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, so the, 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 we, we have some remnants of the language and we have some representations on more recent uh, cartography and world maps that would indicate a, like, large... Russo-Asiatic region that okay. was referred to as Grand Tartary, but okay. appeared on these maps to be sparsely populated, appeared on these maps to have few settlements, very little of note and noteworthy. And anyone who observes like older maps, like old like pirate looking maps from like 19th century, 18th century and older, um, you know, stuff that we would think is like, you know, kind of cartoonish today on casual, like on the casual glance, mm-hmm. right? Because it doesn't look like Google Maps or Google Earth. Um, those maps tend to represent that same region of the world mm-hmm. more and more richly, more and more detailed, with more and more like defined internal regions and borders and obvious architecture one of the styles that you'll see when you look into mysteries like this and look at older maps is these world maps were made in a way that strikes me very much actually like once you actually take a moment and look at it to be a lot like our google map overlay that when you drop and you're like, yo, I'm going to land in Seattle next week. I need to get out to see Steve. He says he lives in Seattle, but that's probably bullshit. He probably lives a half an hour out of town. <laughs> Still fucking Seattle, whatever you want. Anyway, you know, and so you, <laughs> you go to Google Maps and you see you see the highways and roads overlaid over a satellite image, right? So you see the pretty trees and the hills and you see the buildings and the actual top of the stadium. You can look down, you know, from that overhead view right um that overhead godlike omnipotent view and we're looking at that same thing with the with the google map uh with the old maps and then on top of it when you go back to your modern map the google map you have like loads of info that comes up right like those points of interest start populating on the map and you see the labels on certain things right away and you can zoom in of course we have a little bit more control with google maps and that we can get more granular right with any given thing without switching the page to another map that's been drawn at a different scale you know, mm-hmm. but best believe they probably had those two maps at different scales, which of course they did. Um, and you do see them in different areas of this research. But um, Tartaria gets cooler and cooler the further back you go. These maps are really rich in data. They were full of metadata. They had, you know, information about the flora, the fauna, the people of the region, the, 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 the key architecture in different cities was represented accurately in some little tiny way, the main castle or keep or fortification or walled city was, you know, pretty much there in the spaces where they're supposed to be. Um, so we like to like, uh, as modern casual observers, think of ourselves as super superior to these, you know, folks who lived in the old world, but in fact, their maps were as important to them, if not more important, because you couldn't just quickly go to the internet again for the 80th time today to try another solution or look for another map to get you to your destination because you're a dipshit, can't navigate by the sun, <laughs> you know. Um, they had what they had, and that 
shit did need to work. And when you look at these maps, they were really indicating a different place than is shown today. Now, this is nominally acknowledged in our like established history, but the researchers who are looking into the Grand Tartaria question would say that it has been heavily transformed, suppressed, and largely rewritten. Okay. Um, something that I don't have good notes on here, but that I'm nevertheless going to talk out my neck about because I do remember it, and I'll get uh, I'll get some better details for you guys on this. But in the 1930s, right around um, when Stalin was coming to power. Uh, in the early years of the USSR, he and that administration directed like a restoration of Russian history and cultural something or other. So that's the most of the title that I can remember. But this is an identifiable thing that anybody can find in like a couple of, you know, Google searches on Russian history, Stalin, rewriting the history of Tartaria, Tart the Tartarian history was referenced specifically in huh. the rest of the document it didn't wasn't in the top line of the title um but it was about revisionist like restoration of uh, remembrance of the existence of parts of their history that they had erased but of course at the same time you don't know what also was still contained and held back by them um at that time hmm. uh but I'm not a Russian historian. And again, just a, just a guy who's, you know, curious about this, stumbled upon it. I want to say probably first on YouTube, maybe. Okay. And I've got, you know, some accounts that I'll point you guys at that people can totally look and learn a lot more about this shit. But, um, wow. Uh, let's see here. So, so, so let me see here. So like we will have heard of, so I just referenced the area and I referenced, you know, a timeline that sort of says, let me put a finer point on it. We see stuff that looks like a Tartaria that's like an empire on the maps in the 1600s and 1700s. There's not a lot of maps that are existent to this day that any ding-dong on the internet can just look up and find. But there are some, mm -hmm. okay? Um, probably anybody who's like a university professor or some bishop or something in the you know in rome might be able to visit some libraries that are way more interesting than we have but those books may not be scanned you know they may not be on the web or they might be on the web on web that i don't have access to right right but any of us this is all stuff that all of us and that's you know why not let's just stay where we can all work together and all look and verify these things together anyway without getting weird and getting on a tour browser and stuff <laughs> um uh you will you know You'll, if you've ever heard of like the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you've ever heard mm -hmm. of the Nag Hammadi Codices, if you've ever uh, heard of the the researcher Zechariah Stitchin who mm -hmm. looked into those, and uh, Emmanuel Velikovsky to take it back another layer, Worlds in Collision, and Velikovsky's uh, early solar system uh, theorizing, much of which was borne out to be observable and provable in subsequent U.S. early years of the space program and, and uh, you know, probes that we sent to different parts of the solar system, the Voyagers, the Mercury, etc. 
um, uh, interesting people with interesting ideas about um, the history of origins of humanity. When this is this is what's key to that is that this story of Tartaria sort of goes back to there. The story of the mystery of Tartaria like challenges our beliefs about what year we're even living in. Yeah. Um, okay. Like like the whole chronology of humanity is up for dispute in this you know conspiracy, so to speak, if we want to call it that. Um, and that is to say that you know other people have already identified before the Tartaria name or label ever came up that potentially the dark ages and the Renaissance weren't exactly the way they've been represented on the modern calendar. We have the known change from like an earlier calendar that was a lunar based calendar and closer to a 13 month calendar to a 12 month uh, calendar year. We originally once upon a time had like a 360 day year, not a 365 day year. So was our orbit different back then? I don't know, you know, (laughs) like our actual orbit around the sun um, because people seem to know like it's not like they're really guessing at a lot of this stuff they seem to know a lot of shit um like astronomers and astrologers before them knew a lot of shit astronomers for all their fancy trappings these days really you know are playing in the exact same sandbox as the astrologers they want to hate on all day long um and um but um you know tartaria reaches all the way back into the mists of time and people in other areas of research have previously identified that there has been some weird fuckery with our calendar over the years and in particular there was like that um change to the um it was from we were on a gregorian calendar which was close to what we have today but this final modern calendar has a slightly different name and it was named after the monk who originated it and made it for us i can't remember i'm sorry but um not a problem that 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 is said to be the most fucked up year because at the same time they introduced a weird little connotation in front of the actual calendar year which was an i and then like a numeral i yeah is is that a one is that an i what the fuck is that i doing there (laughs) why are you there are you an i or a j because on top of it you see a j also in some cases i it's either iasus or anglicized westernized jesus okay okay so the older form of jesus would have been represented with an i as far as i understand in like earlier forms of old english and hebrew and shit it makes my name real fucked up (laughs) there you go (laughs) exactly totally um so so this goes back to you know so what we've got is a the other big part of you know well so why what where's where's the evidence of tartaria steve you know why are we talking about this well these guys are basically claiming that the roman empire as we know it wasn't so much the originator of all this beautiful architecture that we see all around the world that became the influence for you know countless generations of people whether they were in europe or whether they were in you know in europe in the 1500s and 1600s and 1700s or if they were in the new world in the 1700s and 1800s whether they were in the pacific in japan in china in pacific island nations um like thailand buildings with columns and arches and domes and megalithically stone constructed by the way usually out of just a few 
key materials. It'll be white marble or it'll mm-hmm. be, you know, and it'll be tailored to the region, but it'll be the best, most durable, most yeah. badass rock of the region rendered to a, you know, perfection. 33rd degree stonemason level of perfection built mm-hmm. to last the, you know, mists of time um, all around the world. Yeah. These people who are these researchers looking into this will also point to many, many instances of Renaissance era paintings, we call them, that are early Renaissance like fantastical paintings, like fantasy paintings, they call them. And these paintings that they refer to are all depictions of like the fallen old world and or familiar Roman monuments like the Colosseum and you know, other places that we can visit today, you know, uh, in that area of the world, but depicted as ruins covered with vegetation, you know, uh, with the people around them, you know, laying around in towels, eating grapes off the ground and hanging out amongst the ruins and occupying them, but certainly living in a different type of, you know, monument then you see all cleaned up and leveled out cleared away and polished up and put back together today and so the modern scholars say well yeah no they didn't really look like that they were perfect they were fine this was fantasy you know and to which the researchers of course scoff and say well why would you draw that you know why would you paint that you know what why would you even think of that what that's your idea that you know this went on for decades there's thousands yeah. of them huh. many different painters right not like they could never all had the same not idea two guys not yeah. two guys exactly this is what i'm saying it was like a style it was a thing so is it that these guys were all cracked out on greek you know fermented olives and drawing weird paintings for fun or they were remembering something that was changing before their eyes and going away because the city was being cleaned up and repossessed and inherited from a culture that had gone away. It's it's like how many times has the the societies restarted over the course of human history? Thank you. Only to be wiped clean, essentially. Yes, it's an answer we'll never have, honestly. I mean, you hear so many great theories coming out, especially the newer theories. uh, I mean... It's amazing that we could possibly just be constantly fighting this battle, you know. And it's it's interesting now we sent that archive to the moon because it's like fuck. Here's our new attempt to preserve society. And it's like all right, we gotta, if we crash, we gotta wait till we get back to fucking SpaceX age. There, access yep. it. And I mean, there's uh, what is it that gold disc also that we put on the uh, satellite that we yeah. sent out into space with our coordinates and all that. At least yep. there's some. Uh, something it, out there saying we we have it. It's off this so, world, so you got to get to that advanced technologies to even access it. And it's like, what more do we have than what they're going to have? Yeah. <laughs> well, on the one hand, exactly. On the other hand, let's find out. True. Because true. There. So this this touches upon even that question. It's and it's something. I should be able to freestyle on because I don't think, I don't know how hard I went on the notes on that, but we're talking free energy is in here. You know, we're talking versions of that and we're talking Mm. interesting technologies. And again, you know, 
the architecture is the thing that's keyed in on first and, and looked at all around the world. There's a really big sub story to this called the mud flood story. And that, you know, some people get caught up in thinking that this whole Tartarian civilization, civilization was uniformly mud flooded all around the world in one shot. And others, I tend to more believe it was big waves of big disasters that like one leg after another took legs out of this old giant old world civilization potentially and maybe that happened over just a couple hundred years but compared to maybe a couple thousand years of hegemony before that that shit would have been seeming pretty rapid right well, i to mean the, look, to that look whole at world what, that would have been a big change yeah look at what even a hurricane can does in like the caribbean to like puerto rico 100%. Oh, so like, i i fully believe this is a combination of natural disasters and events you know changing of the guard of generations and people but um, there's implications that these Tartarians, that these, okay, so we're, I'm, I'm indicating that these people are believed to be like these, a lost worldwide megalithic structure building high society that left its mark on the entire world. And the ways that we're seeing it first is that architecture. And this is why I say anybody can go out their front door and start asking themselves about this after they listen to what we're talking about, because those buildings like those in Rome that I just mentioned, I was just claiming that, you know, they're saying potentially that the Romans didn't build those buildings. Well, the Romans themselves admit they didn't build the city of Rome from bare ground. They built their buildings on top of, and in particular, like the main center of government the the one of the one of the main couple of buildings and there's a whole plaza there that's the the center of everything they found it (laughs) yeah that shit was already white marble platform this is Mm. in roman history they built their buildings on top of a foundation from who they know not which damn Mm. uh, to their own admission and that like style of architecture. Same with Egypt sorry. too, in the Sphinx. I mean, it's absolutely. Like the Egyptians the say that they around. don't. There you go. They know yeah. that they didn't build certain things. They also, we can't find a single hieroglyph in either uh, pyramid. You know, we know that, and we know that they never really directly referenced how they built the pyramids either. Um, I don't know if they. I, there was something like the Sphinx for sure was like claimed to be built by somebody, but we don't necessarily think that's really an authentic hmm. you know claim for that pharaoh i'm yeah. not sure you know i'm not again not like yeah there's that's like a not the area that, from what i heard i believe like it's like something like something oh, it's heavily translation or something it's right? heavily contested and i'm butchering yeah. the whole mystery by not you know doing <laughs> it might have been remodeling the yeah they well, might have remodeled it totally but, a restoration there you go yeah, a restoration right done they, with new pharaohs that, and, actually something about that rings true because there was something about that was supposedly when the face was changed yeah, yeah, true. And yeah, before it was, it was damaged in modern time. So, mm-hmm. um, was that Khufu? I want to say. And let me oh, just man, be I never totally wrong. The names. There. I have a let me be totally wrong. wrong. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, um, this, so, this, you know, this is all, this is all super, uh, like in depth and crazy interesting. I know you go into it like way more on, on your shows. You're, uh, you take a topic, it seems like, and, and dive into it and mm-hmm. just analyze all the evidence that you can come across. I try. I mean, you know, this is one that some people are dedicating their whole channels to and doing yeah. nothing but content on this. And, uh, you know, my interests, you know, remain a little broader than that. 
it's fun, this mystery, because it kind of connects to so many things that, you know, it can just be there whether I focus on it or not somewhere in the background. Um, because, you know, this is one that we, we have already done an episode on. Uh, I did one back in December, so December of last year, and that one was called The Mud Flood Deception and Grand Tartaria. And uh, that's one where I start to tell people, like, what channels I found initially that got me looking into it, what the, you know, what I had figured out up to that point in time um, in terms of what the timeline looked like and, and the history. There's, there's evidence of Tartaria in North America. There's, you know, questions about, you know, such topics as like the former little understood and barely acknowledged North American mound builder culture, which would be a pre you know, predecessor culture to the First Nations people or Native American Indians, you know, uh, that we know today that are, you know, remnants of perhaps the North American side of the Tartarian Empire, believe it or not. Oh, wow. um, you know, this mystery would posit that... Why the fuck did we land settlers here in the late 1400s, early 1500s? Kept sending ships the whole time. We never stopped sending ships mm. over. 50 right. and 100, 50 and 100, 200 people all the time for the next 200 years. And you're telling me we never could get our asses off the east coast of this country into the continent? The speculation is that it wasn't just trees and mountains that kept these people back. It wasn't just Indians on horseback that didn't have rifles yet. Um, that was keeping the Western settlers back, that it was perhaps the remnants or a still somewhat thriving old world civilization that had ties to Tartaria, perhaps folks who were the last of them who had fled Europe, which had 50 to 75 years prior been shellacked with versions of mud floods and earthquakes and uh, other, you know, calamities that reshaped that whole region. Atlantis is mixed up in this one, of course, huh. you know, it's in the part of the world that like you, you said, know, it all sort of ties in. It's yeah. a good one that way, you know, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, there's a lot of, you know, threads that could be tugged on that lead, you know, far places with this. Um, let's see here. Uh, so, you know, the timeline for most people to look into is right around 1812. Okay. Um, so, you know, as I said, you know, you have settlement in the new world in North America as early as the late 1400s, but no real action until the late 1700s when the 13 colonies got their shit together through the yoke of England off of them. Then, like, in very short order, turned around and declared war on everybody else left in North America, let's not forget, okay? Mm. We, like, we declared war on England in 1776, right? Mm. Won the revolution in a couple few years, 79 or something like that. Um, we, you know, become a nation. We're still under the Magna Carta, and we're waging war on, on the remnants of the French and the Canadians to the north of us. And, you know, a few years after that, we chased the Mexicans out of uh, California and Texas mm -hmm. and New Mexico, right? And took all of them. Uh, we got the Louisiana Purchase, you know, from the French under Jefferson, the second president. Yeah. Okay. And Louisiana Purchase is two thirds of the continent. So my point is, we had that territory on paper, but we didn't do shit with it, you know, until after Jefferson sent. I mean, we had coastal cities in California at that point too. 
right? We sailed it, around uh, to get to him, correction. Right? Third president. To to third president, but we're, we're not that third. far off. Third. Third. There we so go. I, I was thinking John Adams. I was Thank like, you. I don't, I don't want to correct him if I'm wrong though. He's so forgettable. Darn it. Sorry, John Adams. <laughs> Come on. You know, he didn't do that much that I can recall. I can't pin too much on him. So well, I think that's all. Son, Good job. Son upstaged him with the beard. So <laughs> <laughs> to this day, to this day. To this we'll day, see. was it his son? I thought it was his brother, but no, he could be right. Maybe I could be wrong about that too. <laughs> so, um, we had our coastal cities. We had like some settlements in California, but we couldn't cross the the middle ground for all that time until you know the mid eighteen hundreds. You know, we started you know going right after Lewis and Clark, but we didn't really settle the West for you know fifty sixty years, right? Yeah, um, and then. Not too long after that, so well, let's back it up and stick on 1812 as as much as we can briefly because there's a couple of reasons why 1812 is important. You've got the War of 1812 uh, here in the United States where, again, we fought off England for the second time in a by-proxy war that was almost entirely waged by mercenaries. England didn't even really come back here to fight us in 1812. They sent Hessians under the command of a few, you know, British generals and things like that, because they didn't even want to waste their own people on us at that point in time. Some would say, you know, because it wasn't even a war that was meant to be won necessarily. But at any rate, um, at the same, in the same years leading up to that, you had uh, the year without a summer, not leading up to that. It was immediately after it, the 1816, the year without the summer. Um, that would be a year where it was some of the coldest recorded temps in history. The years immediately bumpering it too were of course pretty shitty. Um, but 1816 was the worst and it is believed to be a like downstream effect of something that may have happened around 1812, something that may have happened in Europe because at the same time we were having our war, Napoleon was fighting Alexander in Europe. The Napoleonic Wars were happening at the exact same time. 1812 was a, like a year for wars all over the place. In fact, you could almost, it, they just don't call it a World War I right. or a World War Zero, but it kind of was. They were, you know, doing as much as they could almost everywhere Great they could to topple, to you know? Yep. Yep. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. So that's an interesting thing about 1812. And yeah, so you can, you know, I can point people at plenty of places to really go directly after that. Like they can, so one of the best first places for people to like research on this, like if they want to read, because obviously YouTube, go to YouTube and type in mud flood, go to YouTube and type in grand Tartaria. You know, if you want to go to my YouTube channel and find the podcast there, if you want to, right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm walking around my local area. Um, not just Seattle, but I've, since I drive for my job and visit different shops, I'm kind of in a lot of different parts of the state. And so I have started doing video of buildings that fit the bill a little bit of being older architecture. Mm-hmm. The Tartarian researchers would claim that these buildings are older than represented, everybody, right? Because I just, I already told you that they said that we fucked with our whole world's timeline mm-hmm. by as much as a thousand years, sometime back in you know, Renaissance era, Roman, you know, um, uh, Catholic, uh, Vatican, you know, influence of the world time when they were running things and changed the calendar. Um, that even our modern era is a little bit jumbled and confused because of it. And while yes, the last hundred years or so 
maybe even 200 years or so, we pretty much have a handle on. As soon as you go any further back than that, it's really quite fucky. Yeah, and that's where you start kind of losing it. Yeah, um, and so these, yes, yeah, so these these buildings are said to be older than we think they are. They have certain characteristics, those being, if you want to look for them in your own town, go to the old district of your town, of your city, and look for municipal buildings, look for universities, look for churches, and, and look for windows that are at or below ground floor level. Look for um, daylight basements, so to speak. Look for, at that same building, a interestingly raised main entrance that goes up four or five steps. That main entrance will usually also have an enormous opening. Almost all of them arched. Some of them have been squared off. We've been squaring off buildings for, you know, the last hundred years for sure right. in this world, right? We've switched from the, the curvy stuff to rectangles, right? The whole world is ruled by rectangles right now um, in terms of style and stuff. But um, the, the buildings will have these characteristics over and over again. Really big entrances a first floor that's itself now several feet above the sidewalk level or you have to go up those stairs go through the main entrance and the foyer only to drop back down to that main floor um windows at the ground level that are if they're not submerged maybe above normal human head height at sidewalk level and or from you inside kind of seeming like well if i was 10 feet tall i could look out this window no problem <laughs> it's like that's not exactly and i also would have been yeah. able to open the front door because it is also 12 feet tall yeah you know and again these will be banks they'll be churches they'll be universities they'll be libraries they'll be places of law right mm-hmm. and uh, when we go to our town's places of law like the you know whatever the local seat of government is olympia washington for example looks like washington dc you know we have a capitol building that looks like the fucking white house down there i'm not kidding you you know and many cities many states do you know and many cities governors fucking state house they built for themselves emulates this style yeah so this style of like arches and columns vaulted ceilings and domed roofs this greco-roman and neoclassical style architecture is the architecture that you'll want to look at in your local area and if you see these ground floor windows or a building that's half buried in the side of a hill and you also know that the city has a history of one or more historic giant fires that occurred or other calamities that befell it san francisco's big for there you go there you go boston massachusetts many others sections of new york um, a couple different times in history, you know, uh, whole Hell, even Venice, lost, the whole place you know, is sinking into uh, the ground. Los Angeles had a, uh, you know, a historic fire, no. um, a- a- after which the city was built up upon the old layer of the old city, right? They always tell us this story about how well they decided to cement it all over and close it up. And now the subway's going through there and the sewer for the new buildings is going through there. And we just built a whole layer up. Right. So, you know, we're not thinking about Europe where France has a huge underground that's, you know, legendary, you know, the the likes of which. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So. um, This goes deep. These buildings are. Yeah, these buildings are all around the world. And these buildings aren't just all around like Europe and North America. These buildings are in the fucking South Pacific. They're in China. They're in Japan. They're in Asia. Everywhere throughout it. And so, 
you know, so you would everybody. Say that these buildings are sort of evidence of the fact that these like structures we make do push in into the ground, which could have happened to these past uh, civilizations, essentially. So there's, you know, there's ways of understanding how these buildings, you know, were recovered or might have been um, covered in the first place. Right. Uh, as opposed to like sunk down in okay. situ. Because I it's really like hard to make a big Yeah. So as, as tantalizing as that notion is, and as much as like something called liquefaction is yep. a phenomenon that happens to solid ground when it's subjected to like earthquake vibrations, it happens quite frequently because of them. And it's not just because of the physical, feelable vibration that you and I feel, but it's also because of like ultrasonic, like ultra low frequency uh, vibrations that are part of the earthquake phenomenon, right? That, okay. that caused this liquefaction kind of thing. Um, and that's when seemingly solid ground becomes even more than quicksand it becomes damn near you know soaking wet it becomes you know it just fucking melts and goes away you know whole hillsides just go away in, in yeah. a visibly liquid looking fashion uh, um, a co-worker once described to me he said he was out in the desert looking at a sand dune when an earthquake occurred and mm-hmm. he watched the whole hill just level out there you go you know and it'll swallow i mean that was sand hole. But... it'll swallow a vehicle hole swallow, but it, it, you know it can happen to many different types of soil compositions right um for sure and a super interesting phenomenon but yeah like you can't you can't sink a skyscraper without it getting all crooked and broke True. you know what i mean so that doesn't really hold up for you know liquefaction doesn't really hold up for a reason for the buildings to have sunk but right. it could have been something that occurred at a site at a higher altitude and then rolled in through town over buildings that even today so let's let's assume that some of the buildings that i'm talking about aren't just those um, places of government that I just mentioned, but maybe some of the older skyscrapers that are in some of our cities as well. Um, it, you know, to which you would say, well, Steve, we have pictures of them building the Chrysler building and shit, bro. And I go, I know, dudes. I'm, you know, <laughs> I know. I'm not really, really the one to say about which building is or isn't uh, reclaimed, restored, or built from the ground up. But some of those buildings, again, like, the timeline that we're working with is the last less than 200 years and we don't even have photography before around the um, 1830s or 1840s somewhere in there as a technology let alone writers um, or literacy for most of you know the population uh, if, if people yeah. aren't writing this kind of stuff down then a lot of that All right, so they, they like barely invented it in like 1827 okay so it's not even quite 2027. Yeah. So photography is less than 200 years old. Yeah. So let alone film, video, AKA video, kids. All right, we're talking about video. <laughs> um, so the the Tartarian researchers would say that some of the older buildings uh, in all these centers of uh, big cities around the world, including some of these skyscrapers are reclaimed buildings. Some of them would be then even bigger than we think they are because they're potentially 20 or 30 more floors below ground or, or more. Who knows? Um, you know, this is a, it's a, it's a story that's pretty nuts. I mean, I, I told you guys, I, 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 let's see here. I want to see if there's anything that we did talk about mud floods. 
Man, the it, timeline it's is right around that 1812. It's another yeah. wild example, though, man. I mean, in history, I mean, most people don't realize that there was multiple human like species out there, like the Flores man that was like a hobbit like creature, you know, things like that that were mostly bred human species with uh, Neanderthals. So, it, I mean, it's go. crazy, you know, it's Supposedly like. Supposedly, I have some of the ne- Neanderthal oh, DNA. 100% me and you both do. There you go. Right? <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> so we're well, learning more we're learning more about stuff history, like that we forget everything and now we're just to an age where we easily record everything and it's it, you know it's on all of these things but it makes it fun to look at it as a mystery and and explore it and try and find the answers and uh come to maybe a consensus that ne- isn't necessarily what everyone's been subscribed to yeah it could be a lot of fun man and the thing about it is it could all be real like it could be you know you never know i mean it's hard to tell until we dig deeper into the earth until that's why you keep looking we find more evidence you know so i will say this and i i want to give you guys this um not a warning but a proviso Uh, or like uh it is a warning i guess Uh no this is like this is the thing that i you thought we were deep before (laughs) well one thing that people when they look into it really closely they're going to find two things first thing they're going to find is a lot of the people who are looking into this are not of the globe earth worldview persuasion mm-hmm. a lot of the older maps are a flat earth projection style map and a lot of these flat earth researchers have somehow been some of the first ones to come across and start looking at this area of history and uh and there are connections to the flat earth theorists sort of again worldview mm-hmm. that you'll run into i would encourage people to just like be cool we're smoking weed like <laughs> just seriously be cool and go check it out for yourself if you want if it sounds interesting but you know take it with that grain of salt and let those people be the people because you're not going to find this by too many like other researchers right now just yet um, but you will find people who aren't explicitly flat earthers, myself among them, mm-hmm. that, you know, are totally transfixed by this story. Um, and and it has made me look more sympathetically upon all the flat earth stuff that I have to kind of come across and filter through as I uh, look into this. Yeah. Um, those people are doing more fucking research than that Netflix documentary remotely made uh, look uh, by the by the looks of it and from what I understand the very people who they picked for the Netflix documentary are like the least representative group of flat earth researchers well, you could, in the you world. could do that with any group you yep. know I mean that happens yep. with stoners yep. uh, stereotypically yep. across Hunter, the thank you boom good job good yeah. job 100% totally yeah. victimized and at the at the mercy of the mainstream media which is why we podcast right so yep. when we, that's why we're, when we can't we're fucking get any value what we can do <laughs> that's it hey I can do at least as good a job as these slobs who are lying to us every day. And I'm right. trying not to lie to people every day. Um, now, well, if yeah. people wanted to look more into this or, you know, find more of your stuff, um, what's, what's the best way for them to get at you? Uh, so I definitely think they can just by Googling up Grand Tartaria, go probably hot wild on that subject and, and mud flood youtube you know love it or hate it um you know value it or not it's actually one of the very biggest content distribution platforms that's ever existed probably is i think it is yeah Uh, and and of independent content with with you know as much as we worry about you know how much is uh being surfaced right now on youtube what's interesting about my podcast bacon awake is that like 
just by being involved in conspiracy quote-unquote topics in the least I may be taking a hit on YouTube right now on their algorithm for recommended videos a lot of people don't know that but recently YouTube made a big change to how they're letting you know you see stuff on their platform based on preferences that you've previously expressed right uh, so they're kind of actively suppressing a lot of this very stuff actually which is interesting um, but uh, you get on YouTube and you specifically use the search term like Flood or Grand Tartaria and you'll find that topic is super rich. I have at least two episodes on just this that are on the podcast Baked and Awake, which is bakedandawake.com. And uh, the, then, you know, I did mention earlier, I did some videos of walking around looking at the buildings in my local area. And, you know, if people want to see what I'm, you know, actually going on about in terms of the architecture, um, you can definitely start there there are a few other people doing really good work just like that doing nice you know even better work like that um on well, youtube awesome. as well so um yeah you're, so, you're also on uh instagram i mean that's where we mostly have chatted I we believe. do have a lot of fun over there thank you no you're right and uh i should mention yeah follow me there same name baked and awake and that's where we like that's where i let my sense of humor come out and have fun with like stupid memes and you'll see pictures of the Beautiful garden plants. at work yeah <laughs> you see the pictures of garden at work you'll see the pictures of our backyard garden um if you're if you are a gardener like i am like that's actually something that we didn't talk about much today but um i'm all about the plants you guys not just cannabis so if you want to geek out on, on plants come and follow me on instagram and i'll point you there Nice. At my wife, uh, at my wife's account too, because that's where you can see the whole farm. Because we keep, we have chickens, we have bunnies, we have bees, oh, cool uh, honeybees. So we're doing, we're doing a bunch of weird shit in our backyard in Seattle. That's um, awesome. No goats or anything, you know. We kept it to that, but you know, like there's a lot of that stuff because you know we have a couple of young kids, so we're, we're nothing wrong with, with all of that. Some fresh eggs. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know. Um, that's uh, and maybe I'll go have this there you go already I, I don't i didn't really eat before we jumped on today so uh it's, it's yeah. been a long one but it's been a good one we, we, yeah we, thanks we, you guys like yeah. i could i could go really on about this one for a long time but i already have too so please check out the podcast uh mm-hmm. episodes about this um and then when you find the other you know researchers out there you'll really get the rest of that picture i think it's still evolving right now so people nice. are learning more about it all the time right now so i think you know, this would be a fun one to continue to look for and see if I do more content on it because it probably means I did find, you know, more fun stuff about it or else I won't dedicate a whole episode to it, you know. Um, I think it's one of the coolest mysteries that I've come across, period, in the whole time I've been looking for topics. And, you know, I'm like just over 70 episodes now. You know, you guys are a little bit ahead of me on that front. Um, what are you, are you at 100 yet? Uh, yeah, one, 140 something. Two. Son of 142. a. Cockerel, that's a lot of shows you got. Uh, got yeah. some hours under our belt. Yeah, Good man. Work. Good. Now work. I, I will say, at uh, I know at the end of your show, you always have, do a sign off. We have our own sign off as well. Oh uh, yeah. Um, we we do a that's it. There you go. After I hit my <laughs> there you go, you wanna you wanna do yours? You got it. All oh, right, man. Cool. All right. Well, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of knowledge and dropped, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Kaminsky, check out his podcast, Baked and Awake. It's fucking awesome. You'll dive deep with some fucking bombs of truth <laughs> dropped on you. All right. And uh, just thank you for joining us on this journey. We love each and every one of you. And until next time, that's it. There you go. Smoke Indica and do shit anyway. We're smoking America. We're passing America. Yeah.
in America. I'm second America. We talking America. We blazing America. This is fucking America. We're second America. This has been American Slacker Podcast. You can reach the show by searching American Slacker on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. Or send them an email to American Slacker Podcast at gmail.com. You can download and rate American Slacker on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and all other podcast platforms. Visit the show's website, aspodcast.com, where you will find every episode, official merchandise, and links to their Patreon if you would like to support American Slacker. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Think about the second set of passing. Man, I gotta go and get it, grab it. Why you gotta go and neck a savage? Smoking weed, I gotta feed the habit. Now I'm on some other shit. Things that I gotta go get. Medical all on my slip. You falling like dominoes, bitch. Stuck in my ways, fucking high days, fucking sideways in the driveway. We smoking America. America. We passing America. I'm mapping America. I'm second America. We talking America. We blazing America. This is fucking America. We second America. We second America.